the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. I am Seth Liebson. It's Monday, September 12th, 2022. 602-508-0960 is the number. 602-5080-960. I was watching the finals at the U.S. Open yesterday and noticed something at first strange and then outrageous. In a world where the word outrageous needs a tune-up, it having become so syntactically saturated over everything from someone cutting you off in traffic to McDonald's for getting your extra napkins or ketchup at the drive through to an attack on New York City and Washington, D.C. that took the lives of nearly 3,000 Americans, some 577 more deaths than Pearl Harbor, which we all have pledged to never forget, and where the targets were mostly military and on a U.S. territory, not a U.S. capital or state. The president of the USTA, U.S. Tennis Association, one Michael McNulty, announced the victor and runner-up of the U.S. Open yesterday, again, in Queens, New York, again, the date of which was September 11th, saying this, quote, Before we celebrate the player's success, I want to take a minute to extend our thoughts and prayers to the people of Ukraine for a swift end to this unprovoked war on their nation. I'm proud to announce that during the U.S. Open, we raised $2 million for Ukrainian relief. Close quote. I was with two others, and I said nothing about America, the U.S., New York, and the pregnancy and meaning of today's date. Not a word. Not a word about the meaning of the date. Not a word on the meaning of the date to New Yorkers. Not a word on the meaning of the date to Americans or the world. The winner and runner-up of the U.S. Open, one from Spain and one from Norway, and their speeches were eloquent and said meaningful things about 9-11 especially the non-winner, the runner-up, the Norwegian, Kasper Rude. The beauty of what Rude said somewhat neutralized the negligence and misprioritization and disorientation of the American McNulty. And this, I thought, is how you downgrade America and upgrade by forgetting horror, terror, or let's call it for what it is, evil. Right after 9-11, about a month after, William Bennett, Charles Krauthammer, Jim Woolsey, and I formed an organization called Americans for Victory Over Terrorism. We went to college campuses to teach about Islamofascism and terrorism. I recall our first press conference when Walter Shapiro of the USA Today said to Dr. Bennett, Are you kidding? You think we need a group to remind us of what happened on 9-11? Dr. Bennett said, Sentiment is strong today, but give it a little time. This view will fade, and I'll even suggest many will come to either forget it, ignore it, or blame America for it. As Sir Thomas More said, I show you the times. Ukraine is more important to something in Queens, New York, called the U.S. Open. 
not to Norwegians and the Spanish, but to the head of the United States Tennis Association. All of this seemed to me rather curious, especially as the United States had just spent the last 72 hours going into this unique horror of an anniversary commemorating the Queen of England. Where was the American part from Americans? If you are in college now, of course, there will be no live memory of what took place 21 years ago, not in live time or from personal memory. But damn it, we sure at age 21, as much as at age 31 or 41 or 51 today, we sure are taught about America's evils from long before that, long before 21 years ago. From centuries past, those we bathe and soak and self-flagellate in. We even blame half our country and countrymen for being fascist. In fact, yesterday, an American president of something ignored what real fascism did to us 21 years ago, while the fashion of the day is to invent a chimera of it to apply to half the country whose party was in office when real fascism attacked America. About a movement that still boasts slavery and violence and misogyny and has committed unspeakable acts of torture and political religious violence from blowing up trains and convents and kindergartens and using plastic shredding machines to kill dissidents, hang homosexuals that attacked us, still attacks us, not a word. Even as we seem to find the need to resurrect the word fascism for American domestic opponents as evil as, say, the governor of Florida or just a trucker in Tempe. What is to be remembered and what is to be forgotten and what is to be mislabeled and misappropriated here these days? The answer to those questions will lead to the answer as to whether the West or America can or will survive or not. Here's what I want remembered. As I quote from Tom Junod in Esquire magazine about 9-11, an article titled Falling Man. Quote, they began jumping not long after the first plane hit the North Tower, not long after the fire started. They kept jumping until the tower fell. They jumped through windows already broken and then later through windows they had to break themselves. They jumped to escape the smoke and the fire. They jumped when the ceilings fell and the floors collapsed. They jumped just to breathe once more before they died. They jumped continually from all four sides of the building and from all floors above and around the building's fatal wound. They jumped from the offices of Marsh McLennan, the insurance company, from the offices of Cantor Fitzgerald, the bond trading company, from Windows on the World, the restaurant on the 106th and 107th floors, the top. For more than an hour and a half, they streamed from the building, one after another, consecutively rather than in mass, as if each individual required the sight of another individual jumping before mustering the courage to jump himself or herself. One photograph taken at a distance shows people jumping in perfect sequence, like parachutists forming an arc composed of three plummeting people, evenly paced. Indeed, there were reports that some tried parachuting before the force generated by their fall ripped the drapes and the tablecloths, the desperately gathered fabric they used as parachutes from their hands. They were all obviously very much alive on their way down, and 
Their way down lasted an approximate count, an approximate count of 10 seconds. They were all obviously not just killed when they landed, but pulverized in body, though not one praise in soul. One hit a fireman on the ground and killed him. The fireman's body was anointed by Father Michael Judge, whose own death shortly thereafter was embraced as an example of martyrdom after the photograph, the redemptive tableau of firefighters carrying his body from the rubble made its way around the world. Folks, that is what they did to us in the first hours of 9-11. Ten seconds of parachuting using tablecloths and drapes as parachutes that were ripped out of 200 Americans' hands as they tried to grasp that one last gasp of air. But in Queens, yesterday, Ukraine, or fascists in America. There was a debate in this country about the phrase Islamofascism, just as there is little debate in this country about half of America being fascist. And that is where we are and who we are right now. But if fascism is what we are supposed to hate, maybe it's worth remembering just a bit who the real fascists are. Bathism came out of National Socialism. That would be the governing political body in Syria and up until a few years ago, Iraq. You will find the liberation movements of the Palestinians from the PLO to its offshoots having been formed and informed by Marxist-Leninism. And you will find the leading Muslim authority in what was known as Palestine during World War II having worked hand-in-glove with Adolf Hitler. Are we beginning to see that maybe the question as to why they hate us or why they hated us was not because of our sins and ideological persuasions, but rather our being in the way of actual socialism, Marxism, and fascism? As we're supposed to hate fascism, why the whitewashing and redirecting it at Americans? Christopher Hitchens was condemned for the use of the word Islamofascism. He wrote this. Does bin Ladenism or Salafism or whatever we agree to call it have anything in common with fascism? Yes. The most obvious points of comparison would be these. Both movements are based on a cult of murderous violence that exalts death and destruction and despises the life of the mind. Death to the intellect. Long live death. General Francisco Franco's sidekick Gonzalo Guepo de Llano so pithily phrased it. Both are hostile to modernity except when it comes to the pursuit of a weapon. And both are bitterly nostalgic for past empires and lost glories. Both are obsessed with real and imagined humiliations and thirsty for revenge. Both are chronically infected with the toxin of anti-Jewish paranoia, interestingly also with its milder cousin, Freemason paranoia. But are, both are inclined to leader worship and to the exclusive stress on the power of one great book, both have a strong commitment to sexual repression, especially to the repressed of any sexual deviance, as they call it, and to its counterparts, the subordination of the female and contempt for the feminine. Both despise art and literature as symptoms of degeneracy and decadence. Both burn books and destroy museums and treasures. On and on he can go, as can any other number of scholars with the will to see things as they truly are, but... I'll conclude on this point with something Dr. Bennett and I wrote in our book, The Fight of Our Lives. We have it in our power to breed heroes and statesmen just as we have it in our power to breed terrorists and traitors. 
We breed both by example and instruction. And just now we need a great relearning about what we are teaching and tolerating through our national example and instruction, both in how we treat our enemies as well as in how we treat our own philosophies of statecraft and soulcraft. Our only repatriation can come once we take seriously again our self-evident truths, our political religion, as Abraham Lincoln put it. In a, in a speech where he wrote, as the patriots of 76 did to the support of the Declaration of Independence, so too to the support of constitu- our Constitution and laws. Let every American pledge his life, his property, and his sacred honor. Let every man remember that to violate the law is to trample on the blood of his father and to tear the character of his own and his children's liberty. Let reverence for the laws be breathed by every American mother to the lisping babe that prattles on her lap. Let it be taught in schools and seminaries and in colleges. Let it be written in primers, spelling books, and in almanacs. Let it be preached from the pulpit, proclaimed in legislative halls, and enforced in courts of justice. And in short, let it become the political religion of the nation, and let the old and the young, the rich and the poor, the grave, and the gay of all sexes and tongues and colors and conditions sacrifice unceasingly upon its altars, close quote. We've lost that teaching, that instilling of public faith in our own country and our own cause. We've replaced and indeed denigrated that extremism, if you will. Now, what Lincoln had in mind is a good deal different from today's teaching of the feckless thing we've replaced history and government with, social studies, Perhaps Butler Yeats had it right. The best lack all conviction, whether worst or full of passionate intensity. Is it too late to recapture the forces of composition over the forces of decomposition? We will know soon enough when the next act of terrorism takes place. Will it be at the hands of an American convert, a John Walker Lind or an Adam Gadan? Perhaps an immigrant or the son of an immigrant. After all, these murderers take their instruction seriously while Americans do not take America seriously. We are daily finding out the cost of not taking seriously our great moral and intellectual inheritance as those who hate the West and our freedoms take their grievances and energies extremely seriously. We either wake up and get serious and get serious about our values and virtues or in the long run we will prove to be the authors of our own Undoing Again, Lincoln, if destruction be our lot, we must ourselves be its author and finisher. As a nation of free men, we must live through all time or die by suicide. Let us avoid that suicide. We've done it before. We can do it again. Maybe it starts with understanding America matters. And perhaps to Americans, it matters a little more than Ukraine, especially on a sacred and sacramental Date. Maybe it starts with loving our own blessings and freedoms more than rushing to defend those who hate them. Maybe it starts with truly knowing there is evil and there is good in this world, and the former is combated by the latter, while the latter is represented by the U.S. and the former by her enemies. Maybe it starts with knowing who and what true fascists are, and not blaming the victim for cheap and exploitive domestic political purposes. Maybe it starts with summoning the same outrage in the liberal community here that hated the term fascist as applied to our enemies, but delights in it as applied to fellow Americans. Maybe it starts with a serious history lesson and a serious study of ideology. Maybe it starts with us all getting serious generally 
once again and hating enemies and abusers of civilization more than we hate our fellow Americans. Maybe it starts with not giving moral high ground to those who lecture us about our legacy of slavery as they rake in millions of dollars off true and current slavery and slave labor. Maybe it starts with Americans being as kind and decent and respectful and grateful to their fellow Americans as the Spanish and Norwegians are to America and Americans. But then again, maybe that's why the notion of America and greatness can be twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools in order to sell those cheap and exploitive domestic policy purposes. Don't give that snake oil purchase. There are, after all, real snakes, and there are, after all, real swindlers. And there are, after all, let us never forget, real heroes. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Jackie's in Phoenix. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Seth. How are you? I am well today. How are you? I I can't, I got in the car and I turned on the radio and I just was, I thought, oh my gosh, somebody else noticed that. I was perplexed. I was more I, than perplexed. Yeah. You know, I, I saw this guy, McNulty, at the USTA. I was watching the end of the tournament, and uh, great right, tournament, okay. by the way. Gosh, if you watch, mm-hmm. if you like tennis, man. <laughs> tennis. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a has-been collegiate tennis player. You agree this with me. Tennis has changed, opinion. hasn't it? Tennis is different than yeah. it used to. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. yeah. Um, those serves, what were they, like 115 miles or so? I remember yeah. Roscoe Tanner was doing 90, and we were all amazed. Anyway, um... I was watching this McNulty guy speak. Uh, I was with some friends, and one of them said, oh, he'll say something about 9-11. It never came. It never came. But, never boy, came. $2 million for Ukraine. That was odd. Yeah. I looked at my husband, and we were watching, and I was like, oh, it's going to come. It, it you thought it would, too. I thought it would, too. I thought it would. It said nine eleven oh one. It's on the court. Right. And then, I, and then he stopped. And then the both players, which yep. were, I mean, they're what nineteen and twenty three years old, exactly. Acknowledged this event yep. in a city where it took place. Yeah, and I was so upset, and I thought, was it an oversight? And then I thought, no, that was deliberate. How I could mean, it I, possibly I, be an oversight? It, how could it possibly be right? So, what do you do with that? Do I reach out to this guy? Like, I'm. I so think upset you do. I, you know, I'll player. tell you. Here's the problem. This is a great question. Uh, Bill and I, my producer Bill and I, have gone through this. It wasn't a huge challenge for me, as it was maybe a little more so for him. But Bill won't watch NFL or MLB anymore, given their versions right. of this over the last, Same. oh, three to five Same. years. Um, I I don't know what to say. I USTA, maybe it's dead to me right now, at least unless and until they issue an apology. Maybe. Maybe I, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to the office. I have friends. That please do there. and CC me and president. please do CC me and keep me posted of any response, Jackie. Please, I will because I want to support these players. Of course, like, a, of know, course, so of course. Well, thank you. For the players were better than the organization they were playing for and paid them. Ja- Jackie, bless you. Thank you. I'm Seth. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 past the hour brings us the great John Dombrowski, who is the best person in the world to give us our culture and economy update. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com, also hosting his own radio show here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. The Word on Wealth. Happy Monday, John. Happy Monday. How are you, sir? Fantastic. Thank you, sir. Thanks for being with us. Stock markets did pretty well today, it looks like. Yeah, we had a good day today. Um, again, this is the fourth straight session that the indexes were higher uh, and uh, pretty positive, even though we've got uh, an inflation report that's coming out tomorrow. And, you know, I guess there's expectations as to what that report's going to say, and that seems to be why the market is uh, maybe moving a little higher, and they feel pretty good about what's going to be talked about tomorrow. So We'll cover that in depth with you tomorrow. Also, yep. some interesting uh, big-name companies uh, going through some shake-ups a little bit, Instagram, Peloton, uh, mm-hmm. Twitter. Yep, <laughs> it's kind yep. of interesting, you know? Yeah, we've got some changes Yeah, happening. we got some changes, but something you flagged we should all be aware of um, – I think you're right to flag and that we should be aware of it. Um, talk to us about uh, talk to us about a new threat hanging over our holiday shopping season. I don't think most people are aware of this. So back uh, in 1992, we had the last railroad um, strike. Yeah, where um, that was an obviously a challenge back then. You had George uh, W. in, in uh, office at that time, and uh, Congress got together immediately. They had an emergency meeting, and they put a halt to that, saying that it was going to be too much of a stress on the economy. But here we're faced with this again, uh, the same where we're talking about uh, the rail railway companies here uh, possibly strike uh, a strike occurring. And if that's going to happen, uh, they believe that that's going to really put a, a dent, about $2 billion every day that uh, the rails aren't going to be running. Let me repeat that number. Yes. $2 billion every day. Go yes. on. Yes. That's a big number. That's a big number. But they did say that 10 out of 12 of the labor unions right. have reached some type of tentative agreements with the railroad carriers. That's good news, but there are two that are left, and those are the biggest ones. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. So um, – the White House, I guess, is uh, right now holding some emergency meetings. It's stating here in this uh, article about uh, the deadline, September 16th. They're hoping to have some type of a resolution to this prior to that. And there's also thought that if there was a strike, that, again, Congress would have another emergency meeting and try to uh, put a halt to it. So, But if it does happen, it's definitely going to be interrupting uh, the transit of, of goods and services. The challenge here, of course, Seth, is is already a shortage. I was just going to say, we're already looking yeah. at tens of thousands of employees in, no longer in that area of workforce, right? right? And they're talking some of the – they interviewed some of the uh, CEOs of these uh, companies, these rail companies, uh, basically saying we're trying to, you know, continually trying to fill positions – uh, but they are having a, they're having trouble with it, just yeah. like all industries are yeah. having trouble with getting people to work. And they've said thousands, tens of thousands of uh, people have retired uh, pre-pandemic and through the pandemic, and they don't expect them to be coming back. So it, it's certainly going to be a challenge, and that's going to that's going to resonate throughout. You know, not just the rail system, not just uh, you know the transportation of uh, these items, and maybe us struggling trying to get our Christmas. Uh, you know, presents for whomever. This is going to affect bottom line profits for companies, too, if this happens, right? Because if this Everything. merchandise can't no. get to the store shelves, then no. things aren't going to sell. That's going to certainly, uh, you know, change the dynamic for uh, profits for companies as well. So it's, it's, it's a rippling effect here, and let's hope that they can resolve this. 
and uh, we don't see this strike occur. Something tells me it will be resolved because you have such a pro-union president in office. I don't know if it will be resolved without giving a lot of the store away, but... I think we have maybe even the bigger issue being these tens of thousands of employees not in this area of workforce, Mm -hmm. the railroad industry, for example. Um, You know, this rush to a new economy and new energy sources, new transportation sources. um, We seem to be a little quick to get rid of the old while the new isn't quite there yet. Yeah. And we're we're left hanging. You know, and and when you look at these types of jobs, the railroad industry, whether it's a or a government employee, because the railroad is similar to a government employees, a right. lot of them, right? Um, they've got some pretty good benefits. I was going to say, not a bad salary, not a bad package of benefits. Yeah, exactly right. Which is probably what's off, costing think, them a lot. Four weeks yeah. vacation. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. there are a lot of benefits that they do receive. Yes, I'm, I'm not saying it's an easy job. I'm sure some of the portions or some of the sure. positions are hard. Sure. Um, but they do receive uh, pretty good benefits. Yep. You know, uh, we all want to make more. Of course, we all want to have more benefits. But there has to be a delicate balance there for for uh, you know for both sides. And, and there also has to be an overhaul in our thinking about what we're teaching in high school. Quite uh, honestly, I well, mean, really training people exclusively to be ready for college uh, isn't isn't necessarily the right fit for everyone. And and we didn't have these problems when we talk techno when we taught things like vocation and technology. You know, we yeah, just didn't have I mean, these are, problems. You're right, Seth. You don't have to have a college uh, degree to uh, fill some of the positions no, that are available out there, no. and you can make extremely that's right uh, you know good uh, salaries yeah. and, and hourly hourly wages and no one will there. be passing uh, uh, executive orders to bail you out either right and there, yes yeah. and there are a lot of people out there who did not go to college that's right and um, you'd be surprised at what is available that's out right. there for you the people want uh, they can get good training on these jobs they can learn a trade uh, and that's what I think we've got to get back to good for you yep Yep. Thank you, John. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and SIPC, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Go to our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Request an appointment right there. Good Thanks, work, Seth. John. Thank you. Until Bye-bye. tomorrow. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960, brought to you in part by our good friends at Y-Refi. If you're looking for a remarkable investment opportunity, check out my friends at Y-Refi. They are a due diligence approved firm where they are offering a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% return for investors, all in a collateralized and secure portfolio. They're investors who do really well by doing good for others, and you can be a part of that too. Check them out at investyrefy.com. That's the word invest, the letter Y-R-E-F-Y.com. Or give them a call at 855-316-3087, 855-316-3087. I was debating which audio I wanted to play with you today. Um, I I think I'll go with this, and and maybe we'll have room for for another one that's been covered. I, I haven't heard this issue covered very much. Political correctness at any number of levels, whether it comes to foreign and defense policy, to social and domestic policy, to um, criminal justice, um, political correctness can be deadly, can kill us, and it will. Um, If you look at what I'm fast coming to believe might be the worst run school system in the country – Los Angeles, it's the second largest. You'll remember us quoting the head of the teachers union 
at LA Unified uh, for the past uh, year and a half about how there is no such thing as learning loss. It's a myth. The kiddos are doing just fine. And so what if they don't know times tables anyway? They know what an insurrection is. You, that um, uh, uh, Mayart uh, Diaz, um, uh, head of the L.A. Teachers Union, is famous for saying, um, now, they're, that now they're moving into not just uh, intellectual and mental health. They're moving uh, right into physical health. I guess, uh, I guess you start with the brain and the emotions. You ruin those. You can then finish off the, uh, the body. There's an old uh, saying about that, isn't there? Uh, I want you to listen to this. Um, it's, a, um, it's, it's a food neutrality video. Food neutrality. Now, we, we knew there needed to be tree equity in our country um, because we have federal legislation now guaranteeing tree equity. But did you know we needed to have, I guess this is still a debate as to whether net neutrality is a good idea. Did you know we needed food neutrality with regard to ethnicities and races who feel like maybe we shouldn't be advising them on how and what to eat at the young ages? I don't know what Michelle Obama would do with this. This was her whole project as first lady for two year, uh, two terms. But here's a video of uh, two um, two two moms, um, I guess they're moms. I don't know. They're either moms or high school seniors. I can't tell. We are either uh, adults in, um, in in children's bodies or children in adults' bodies. It's unclear. But um, listen to them talking. The first thing you see, uh, it's uh, it's important to point out they they represent ethnic minorities, um, and um, the first thing you'll see is a big plate of donuts. Now now. Now, just listen to this. I got us donuts. Those are so bad for you. Oh, no. Are they moldy? I mean, are they poisoned? Are you allergic? No, I'm just saying. Mm. You're judging my food choices based on a false standard of health again, aren't you? Guilty. Diet culture, fat phobia, and systems of oppression. Diet culture, fat phobia, and systems of oppression, just in case the accent doesn't translate have created false hierarchies of food and it shows up false hierarchies of food and it shows up everywhere everywhere for instance harmful thought patterns like earning food through exercising or that dessert is the reward for the punishment of eating vegetables do you remember when the smithsonian went on a tear about how to know what whiteness was the smithsonian museum and it was talking about um uh, it is an emblem of whiteness to be rewarded only after work um, to eat dessert only after uh, you ate your main meals. They're doubling down on it at, U- at uh, L.A. Unified Schools. Uh, the, <laughs> the idea that you can only eat dessert after you eat your vegetables is now racist. Remember that you do not need to earn food. We are all incorrectly taught from a young age that our size and therefore the foods that we eat are markers of our self-worth. No, we are not. I don't think anyone has ever said that. Ignorantio el Lenchi, right? You are answering an argument that was never posed. No one has ever said food has anything to do with your self-worth. The woman saying this, by the way, also an ethnic minority, it doesn't matter so much as uh, the fact that she probably, well, let's just say if I were to speak about her uh, physical appearance, it would be considered fat shaming. Can we leave it at that? You get the picture. It's a very, very, very hefty person saying that we should not let food be markers of our self-worth. Again, 
an argument I have heard no one ever make when we're talking about healthy food choices and the dangers of obesity, child and otherwise. Moralizing food can lead to harmful relationships with food. Who's moralizing food? I guess the same people that are making trees unequal. And assorted eating. Instead of focusing on good and bad choices, try to approach food with neutrality in mind. No! No, there are, I'm sorry, good and bad choices if you care about health, public health, living longevity, and the ability for your child to process not only his physical but mental and emotional state. I'm sorry, there is good and there is bad, and yes, I'm also sorry to say obesity is a big killer. It's a bigger killer than smoking. We have no problem shaming that. I don't want to shame the obese, but I'd like to keep a decent and healthy and commonsensical word for not all of us going in and endowing and coming close to now mandating obesity. The only foods that are bad for you are foods that contain allergens, poisons, and contaminants. Not true. Or food that is spoiled or is otherwise inedible. Eat without guilt regardless of what society says. Eat without guilt regardless of what society says is the lesson of L.A. Unified. You go find me a physician that believes that. You go find me a pediatric physician that believes that. You go look at who died from COVID. You go look at any number of statistics on what obesity costs not only America and Americans in our health care system, but our lives. Political correctness will kill us. These people are insane. They have no right working on the brains and bodies of our children. None. Portions of the show are brought to you by the good people of Balance of Nature, balanceofnature.com. They're good people because they are trying to help with projects to teach children American history. They are even better for making a great product, one I take every single day, all natural, 100% pure, potent plant power, Balance of Nature fruits and veggies. One daily dose gives you a blend of 16 whole fruits and 15 whole vegetables to boost your immunity, your health overall, and your energy. Best product I've ever taken. You can access it, too, by going to balanceofnature.com. Balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Can I expose another idiot for a moment here? Sonny Hostin on The View. This kind of nonsense. You know, people want to play with 9-11. Okay, man, play with it, but you're ruining this country. The way you're doing it, you're just – this is how the West dies. Listen to Sonny Hostin on The View. Right on the head in the sense that we came together as a country because it was a foreign adversary. Yeah. That is why I think it's, it, it was an act of foreign terrorism. And so we felt like, how dare you come to our country and harm us? The biggest threat to our country today, says the FBI's director, is white supremacy and domestic mm-hmm. terrorism. Merrick Garland said the biggest threat to our democracy is white supremacy and domestic terrorism. How do you come together when it's homegrown terror? And, and we have never addressed why 
there is that issue that remains in this country 400 years later. And until we get to that, until we have accountability, we are not, I don't think, ever going to be able to come uh, close. When we tried to rally the country about the threat of homegrown terrorism, like um, Adam Gadon, John Walker, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, 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 Major Nadal, um, uh, Nadal Hassan at Fort Hood. We've had an awful lot of grown, homegrown terror here. Ab- Abdel Rahman, the blind sheikh. I'm going to interview Andy McCarthy or, uh, later about about him. The sunny hostess were telling us nothing to see here. So stop this nonsense about we only come together when it's foreign. We've tried to expose the internal threat, too, when it was a real threat. We haven't invented threats. We haven't invented hoaxes, which is what most of the white supremacy charges seem to be. Just see what just happened at BYU with Duke. Another hoax exposed. No hate crime there. Again, though it dominated hundreds of thousands of dollars and hundreds of thousands of airtime uh, airtime minutes. And as far as until we do something about the 400 years, um, 9-11 happened after that 400 years. And oh, one other thing. We've done a lot of something about, I don't know, 400 years, what her starting point is. But we've had a few constitutional amendments. I seem to recall a war where... Over 600,000 Americans died. I've seen legislation after legislation. I have seen trillions of dollars spent in transfer payments. This is just idiocy. I hope no one takes this stuff seriously. I expose it so you know what's going on because, unfortunately, too many do take it seriously. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 